I know that quite a few of you were able to listen online to last week's message, and I'm grateful for that. It was interesting to prepare that message and bring it here, and so you could watch it. I hope it was a benefit to all of you, but I do want to do a little bit of recap because we're going through this whole book of Colossians, and we just started last week, so it's important that you get some of the things that I talked about. First of all, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear at the beginning that what he is going to say is not his personal opinion, and he's not an apostle because he wanted to be, but by the will of God. And so what we're listening to and thinking about comes to us as the will of God from the great Apostle Paul and Timothy into our lives. Now there were three things that Paul started his prayer with, and you may remember if you were listening that I said that this is the form that he takes in almost all of his letters. He has a greeting, an introduction where all the people are greeted, and then he goes into a prayer. And last week we saw the first part of that prayer, which was primarily a prayer of thanksgiving. And so he's thankful for this great trilogy of things, for faith, love, and hope. Elsewhere he puts them in this order, faith, hope, and love. But nonetheless, that seems to be a theme in his, in his letters and in his writings, that he wants people, and he's thankful for the faith of the people in Colossae, he's thankful for the love that they're expressing to each other, and he is thankful that they have a hope that is secure in heaven in Jesus Christ, a hope that is realized in him. And so that's how he starts. And every time I read one of the Apostle Paul's prayers, I think to myself, you have to really up your prayer life and the things that you pray for. And maybe you feel that way too when you read these things. And as I read the prayer, the rest of the prayer, you might think that way. Well, I don't usually pray for those things, or I don't think about the things that are in this prayer, but I think about maybe more personal things. So that's good. You should do that. But we should also pray the way the Apostle Paul prays, and with the great power that he has. So I'm going to read this passage, and it starts out with, for this reason. Well, the reason is what I just recapped. The reason is because they were people who had faith, who had love for each other, and who had hope in Jesus Christ. For this reason, he says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son 
he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So after that great introduction in this prayer, he goes into some petitions. And this is particularly where I started to think to myself, I don't ask for these things enough. I just don't. And I was thinking about it even as we were ordaining and installing these elders and deacons, how often in that form it talked about spiritual guidance, being receptive to the Spirit's leading. Because how do you know God's will for you unless you are responsive to God's Spirit? So he says he continually asks for this very thing, for spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now it seems to me when I pray, I far too often forget that very important element of prayer that I need to be led by the Spirit. I have to have understanding through the Spirit and not in myself. To know God and His wisdom you need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. I need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. If I'm not, then I'm just doing this in my own ideas, my own ways. I need to be open to the Holy Spirit and His guiding. To know God and His will for you, you must be responsive to the Holy Spirit. So how do you get to that point? The first thing you need to do is read what the Spirit wrote to all believers in the Bible. You need to be reading the Bible on a regular basis. Because if you're not, you're not going to know precisely what the Spirit has told us. That's the revealed will of God, the Bible. And you can always know that you're being rightly responsive to the Spirit when your response is consistent with what he has said in the Bible. And you know you're not following the Spirit when the Bible says something else and you're doing what you want. So being responsive to the Spirit is essential, not only for leaders in the church, but for all of us. And we must know our Bibles. We must study our Bibles. Now, this is not the way the world works. The world thinks it has wisdom, right? They think they have lots of wisdom. But they neglect the source of wisdom, God himself and his Holy Spirit, and they don't even believe the Bible is true. They just think it's somebody's great idea. So they think, well, Christianity, that, that's, that's just like all the religions of this world. doesn't make any difference whether you believe that or not. You can believe Buddhism, you can believe Hinduism, you can believe Islam. And it doesn't really make any difference. It just shows how ignorant they are. Because this is the truth. And those religions are not the truth. And many other false religions. And so we must know God and His Spirit. They think they're acting wisely. We see this in all the rulers of the world throughout history. They think they're doing what they should do and they haven't even consulted God. 
So they conclude, as many in this world have, well, there really isn't a God. It's just our own ingenuity, our own reasoning that will lead us to be a better people. I see it all the time. You know, I saw something on TV the other day and the lady says, well, you have to do these things in order that you can be the best you that you should be. What did that mumbo jumbo mean anyway? I mean, the best you that you can be? Well, if you're just doing it on your own, if you're just doing this in your own ideas, in your own thinking, the best you that you can be is not going to be that good. In fact, it could be quite horrible. This is not about you. It's about the spirit in you and through you and acting on you to transform you to be more and more like Christ. The spirit. And if you know God, then you'll know his wisdom. If you do not know God at all, then you will have no wisdom at all. You cannot trust in your own understanding. You must trust in the Bible and in God and his spirit as he speaks to you. And so he continues his prayer. I mean, that's a powerful way to start a prayer, that they will have all the spiritual understanding. We tend to think that the physical things are the most important. They're not. That which is spiritual transcends that which is physical. And so we must act in the spirit. And what happens then when you do this? He prays that they would live a life worthy of the Lord. Please him in everything they do and say. If indeed you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then he must also be the Lord of your life. He must also be the Lord of your life. That means that when he calls you to do something, you say, yes, Master. You know that that's what you should be doing. And that's what he prays for, for these people in Colossae, that they would know the Lord and they would do everything to please him. Now, when you think about what you're going to do this week, this should be in your mind. When I do this, will this please the Lord? Will this show that I belong to the Lord? Or is this just something I want to do? We should do that which pleases the Lord. And this is the only way you're going to bear fruit. It's the only way I can bear fruit. If I submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and his will and do what pleases him, then we bear fruit, much fruit. It's not that we can bear fruit. We can't do that. So the church that tries to bear fruit on its own by its great planning, its great organization, its great skills, often flounders. Where the church that is connected to Christ and his spirit and is responsive to his spirit, does his will and bears fruit for him. 
And that's the type of people we want to be. That's what Paul wanted for the Colossians. He wanted people to bear fruit as they grew in the knowledge of God himself. So if Jesus is your Lord, then you'll be responsive to him and you will bear much fruit. Because when Jesus is your Lord, you're not acting on your own power. You know, he goes on to talk about these things, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. The power comes from God, not from you and not from me. You know, that's why I, I made it clear to the elders and deacons, it's not your power, it's not your ingenuity, it's God working through you and his spirit. That's where the power is. That's where transformational life in the church happens, where the spirit is responded to. And is God weak to accomplish what he wants? Of course not. Of course not. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. God has the power to do among you and in a church more than we could think or imagine. Because it's his power, it's his might, it's his glory. And he wants you to be filled with that. And these are the type of prayers we ought to be praying for each other that would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. So that you have great endurance and patience. In this world there will be trouble. It calls for endurance. It calls for patience. It calls for that. And you and I don't have it in us, but God's glorious power is there for us. And that gives us endurance. That gives us patience. Not everything always goes right in life. In fact, it often goes wrong. Some difficult things. Yesterday I was talking with my brother, my younger brother, he's seven years younger than me. Both my brothers are younger than me, but anyway, the one that's seven years younger than me, his name is Phil. And he got a severe diagnosis just a couple days ago. He has advanced cirrhosis of the liver. He doesn't know how long he'll live. His faith is strong. I'm grateful for that. But this is the world we live in. You find out about these things. While I, while I was gone, my niece got married, and my brother sat by me at the table during the reception. And I looked at him, and he, he had shed 50 pounds or more. He looked gaunt. He looked terrible. I knew something was wrong. He wasn't sure yet what was wrong. But how do you make it through those things? How do you make it? There's only one way to make it. Through the power of God and his glorious might that will sustain you when you cannot sustain yourself. Because you can even face death that way. Oh, I, I've had the privilege talking to many saints just before they're going to die. And I'm always amazed. The tranquility, the peace that is in their lives. 
as they testify to what they believe about Jesus Christ. I mean, their only concern is the people they're leaving behind. They're not concerned about themselves. They know where they're going, and they long to be there. Because God's glorious might has defeated all sickness and death. And we need to believe that. God, God in his power enables us to endure when circumstances are overwhelming. God's great power enables us to be patient when it seems like everything is going against us. And that's what Paul wanted for the Colossae people. And I believe he wants that for you too. And I want it for you. That you know that power as we pray, that we live lives worthy of the Lord. And we live in joyful thanks. Why are we so thankful? Because the Lord has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and his kingdom. He's opened heaven for us. He has defeated everything. He's adopted all of us as his sons and daughters, his children that he preciously loves, and he will not fail. And that fills us with joy. That fills us with joy even when things are extremely difficult. Because we know the joy of the Lord, which is greater than anything of this life. We have been qualified. You have all the credentials. I have all the credentials. I'm absolutely qualified for the inheritance, not because of one thing I did, but because of everything Jesus Christ did in my place and in your place. That's what qualifies us. He met all the standards of God's righteousness. He took upon himself our guilt, our shame, in order that we will have his glory forever. This is what the Apostle Paul wants us to know. He qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness. God will not fail to bring us to the end. We're already rescued. We're already rescued from the dominion of darkness. We're already in the kingdom of the Son, the Son that God loves forever and ever. In Him we have redemption. This means, this means that by grace, the price has been fully paid. This means that you and I belong to God, body and soul, life and death, forever and ever, and that will never change. And we have complete forgiveness of sins. Now I know that the evil one will bring up your sins, because you and I continue to sin, and he'll bring them up again and again, so you, you're not qualified. Look, you did that again. You fell again in that same old trap. You are not qualified. It's a lie, because you are qualified in Jesus Christ and in his forgiveness. 
you and I have complete forgiveness of sin. And nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to challenge you to do this. To take the model of this prayer and pray for people that you know and love and care about in this congregation. And pray for them on a regular basis. On a new plane. On a higher level. Pray that they'll be so filled with the Holy Spirit and know his word so thoroughly that they will be doing everything that pleases God. That they will love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind and their neighbor as themselves and they will people be people that please God. Because then, then they'll be fruitful. Then things will happen that they didn't think could happen. And there'll be growth in their lives, there'll be fruit around them, and God will be glorified. And then you will be able to listen to the Holy Spirit. You will know God's will for you. The Holy Spirit is going to leave you in the dark. He's going to let you know he does that constantly. For those who ask, he gives answers. He gives direction. Listen to him. Sometimes it'll come as that quiet voice in the night. Sometimes it'll just thunder down upon you as you're going down the road. And some scripture verse will come to your mind. And you'll think, that's what I have to do. That's what God wants me to do. That's how he wants me to live. Because he will make it crystal clear. He wants you to live lives that know God and then know wisdom and live in that wisdom and act in that wisdom and be filled with joy. I, I think it's an absolute contradiction in terms that if someone would say, well, that's a Christian, but they're not joyful. That, that can't be. I mean, there may be times where there'll be sorrow and great grief, but even in that, there will be joy. Because you'll know the joy of the Lord. You know his power. You know his defeat of life and death and everything else. And you will have trust in him. Be filled with joy. It's God's desire for you and for me. He wants us to be joyful Christians, to live in the light. You know, when you're in the light, you see things clearly. But when you step out of the light, all of a sudden everything becomes dark and you can't quite understand what you're supposed to do. So that's why we need to live in the light. So that we, through the power of the Spirit, through God's leading through His Word, can know what God wants us to do. So when the evil one comes and wants to tempt you to step into the darkness, stay in the light. Because it reveals all of His schemes. And it'll set you free. Live in the light. And know this great truth beyond a shadow of a doubt. You are forgiven. That sounds so easy to say. But sometimes it's so hard to receive and believe. But you are forgiven.
because of what Jesus Christ has done. And you are forgiven now and forever. And that's true for us. So let's all up our prayer life. Let's make it more like the Apostle Paul. And pray for these profound spiritual blessings that they will come in our church and among all of our friends. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, fill us with all knowledge of you and all spiritual knowledge and understanding. May we all live lives worthy of you. This is our prayer. May we know what is right and do what is right and love what is right and never fail to do it. May we constantly grow in knowledge of God and his mighty strength his glorious strength that has rescued us, that has brought us out of the darkness into the light of his kingdom. And may we always, always be thankful for the forgiveness you have given us. And no matter what the trials of life, no matter what comes, may we see you. And may we always say it is well. It is well with my soul. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.